Welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. My name is Simon Hodgkins, delighted to be joined by Alex Velenov. Alex, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin by asking you to introduce yourself and tell our audience a little bit about your journey, your background and what you focused on. So over to you, Alex. Oh, hello, everyone. So yeah, my, my name is Alex. And at the moment, I'm a CTO in one digital marketing agency. Um, the interesting part of the, this agency is that we, we're doing like uh, paid advertising only. We don't do ACO, we don't do websites, all that stuff. We just focused on paid advertising. And also we focused on doing paid, paid advertising only in one specific niche, which is events. So we do event marketing. So we have clients all over the world and then most of them big trade shows, conferences, things like that. So yeah, I've been with Pack Digital for probably something like seven, eight years. I think eight, probably seven, eight. And before that, I worked in some different kind of digital marketing settings, in-house, other agencies. I've been in a publisher site as well from one part of my career also. I've been in like a project management and things like that. And I actually start my my very, very start of my career. I don't want to say how long ago it was. <laughs> it's been in a audio production and radio production, radio studios, all that stuff, most technical. And yeah. I started as sound engineer and now I'm CTO at a digital marketing agency. So, you know, a lot of changes, a lot of different stuff through my journey. I'll say I always been kind of, uh, I always love and like very much what I'm doing, whatever it is at the moment. So that, that keeps me focused and also very, very engaged with, with, with whatever I'm doing. Yeah, so, so that's me at the moment. Thanks for sharing that, Alex. And look, you've got a lot of great background, particularly in the world of digital, particularly in the world of marketing and, you know, everything from paid ads, Google Analytics, SEM, pay-per-click, all that good stuff. Um, but when it comes to things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, I know you've got a little music background in there too, uh, and, and audio, but you've been doing something really uh, helpful and fascinating when it comes to this wonderful world of artificial intelligence and you know i'm talking specifically about chat gpt i'm talking about the guides that you that you're sharing online and i know you've been diving into this topic specifically uh, and there seems to be a, a you know a really interesting connection between seo and ai stroke you know gpt3 uh, about using it effectively using it safely uh, what does this whole world of this open AI chat GPT mean for marketing, digital marketing and other areas? So maybe you could just unpack that a little bit for our listeners and maybe start sharing some of your thoughts, observations, uh, tips, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of uh, the whole the whole story. It's a little bit weird. So I found chat GPT in the beginning of December. And because I always been very, very curious as a person in general. I start doing some test experiments and I figure out that this is something really powerful, but it can be powerful and we can be weak at the same time. So it really depends how you use it. And then after that, um, I was seeing some posts. That's that's a real story. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I start seeing some posts and I say, okay, I want to bookmark this post somehow. And I just say, okay, I'm going to create one group and I'm just going to post them there without any intention at all. I just say, I'm going to use this group to, to bookmarks to myself so I can go back and see what's going on. And then all the like, uh, end of December, there's like uh, some people start appearing in the group, like uh, 20, 30 people. And then in the beginning of January, I just do one post, like a recap with like the best post I saw and I just blow up. And since then, I just realized that even before that, I, I know that there's kind of some misunderstanding, misconception about how people use that. Uh, and I know that there will be a lot, a lot of new chats going to come in future, like ethics, how to use it, blah, 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 all that stuff. But basically, 
what I saw in the beginning is that there is a, a certain set of people, let's say group of people that think, oh, this is a magic, this is magical, this, this can do anything, everything. So like a, a magic button that, you know, you push the button and all of a sudden all the problems disappear. And I say, okay, these people, they don't realize that this is just a lot of the stuff ChatGPT is doing is just made, made up something. So they need to be aware that this is not true. And then from the other spectrum, there are some very, very skeptical people saying, oh, we're going to lose our jobs, or we're going to, you know, this will, you know, wipe out humanity or whatever. And I was thinking, okay, what I'm going to do is just to going to share my experience and whatever I learned to be as much as objective as possible and say, say, saying, okay, you can do this in that way, but keep in mind A, B, C, D, and things like that. So I started doing some sort of posts and trying to be as much as helpful because my my general intention is just to bring awareness, but the right awareness, which means, you know, use it, but use it with uh, cautious somehow, use it and think about the output, think about, is that true? bring more awareness about critical thinking and things like that because i think these are going to be a skills that will be very very important and valuable in future because technical part of our jobs probably will be replaced to some extent but you know we as humans need to make the final decision about something so that's why basically i start all that journey with with chat gpt and, and still it's it's very interesting and Every single day, you learn something new. You find something that is, you know, um, interesting. And on top of that, simply because apart from that, I'm curious. I'm a little bit weird, let's say. So I'm doing a lot of experiments, which is like a, you know, I, I like to, to play just games with uh, with things like combining stuff, extracting stuff, and create something new. And then ChatGPT actually gives you uh, like ability to do something which is which is even not possible. I'll give example. Let's say you want to do a psychometric test on uh, Napoleon, for example. You can you can get the test set to ChatGPT, act as a Napoleon, and then you know they have a lot a lot of like a historical data about this person. And basically you can you can extract someone from the past, from the history, and make you answer your question now. And it's very strange, it's weird, and it's it's fascinating. It just opened completely new domains. Yeah, it it certainly is. And I know it's being extremely uh fast how fast it has caught on in terms of technology advancements people are sort of somewhere as you say between maybe a little bit scared about what it means for the future um there's other people that think this is just the tip of the iceberg and this is the beginning of a, a huge revolutionary change uh, and then there are other people thinking this is the best thing i've ever seen this is going to be fantastic this is f fundamentally going to improve things and i think people are at different parts of that understanding of it but let, let's go back to the beginning of chat gpt and one of your you know very successful guides and one of the things that i know you you're a big component of which is first of all making sure people understand the basics mm -hmm. and i, I want to cover the basics here i know you know these things backwards but things like training the model giving the model context telling it to act as somebody explaining that you can do it in the style of something or the style of somebody how you can export spreadsheets from it you know the voice the tone the style guide and then and then this world of prompts so could you maybe spend just a couple of minutes just giving us the you know the, the very quick version of the 101 guide yeah so the if we want to be like successful with chat gpt we need to give as much as context as possible in the best way that the machine can understand what exactly you mean because sometimes even i'm doing some prompts and i know i want something but i can't explain it good enough for the machine to basically get what i want so the basics i'll say um uh, yeah give context that's that's the the main one 
give an example. So if you have an example for something, feed the algorithm with this example and say, okay, this is the example of what I'm trying to achieve now. Solve this problem, take it into consideration the example you have. So that's the other thing. The, the next thing is yeah, giving some sort of, uh, uh, you know, how to say, give a role to the model. Because if you don't give a role, the model is going to answer in very generic way. But if you say, act as a digital marketer or act as whoever, then the, the model is focusing only on the data. It's been fed up at the back end, like a pre-learned, -pre so they can uh, focus the, the whole output based on this specific role you're giving. So that is more likely to give you more accurate response rather than generic. Also, the, the other thing is once you start a chat, there is a history of this chat. So the exact chat you're starting with the machine. So in this history, you can do follow-up questions just to clarify something or to add something. And then it's the, everything you said in this chat is remembered and you can use that. So yeah, that's that's probably the, the, the basic the basic basics. And I'll say the other thing is you just need to get your hands dirty, try it, try it as much fail because you're going to fail for sure. Sometimes you're going to get extremely weird answers. Sometimes they, there's no even reason you can understand why you get it. But yeah, more experimenting, more asking question, the more you get. But also here is probably the place I need to say, always think critical of the output because this output is totally made up, can be true, cannot be true. Both are equally, um, with, with, equal, with equal probability, I'll say. So let's imagine you want to use ChatGPT to write a blog post. Okay, great, you can write it, but then you, you need to check this one and think about two things, at least from my perspective, two, two things. Is that, is everything here true or not? A and B, is, is everything here is something that I would say or not? Because you're going to publish the blog post and if it's not edited, do it like put your own, own, own ideas because you as a person have an idea, ChatGPT don't have an idea. ChatGPT even don't have an idea about what he or she's talking about in general. <laughs> Yeah, that's very good. That's a great point. Um, because I think maybe because we've been trained that we we punch a search query in and it gives us an answer back to some degree, or at least a link to take us off to an answer, that we kind of start to believe that all information is true. And that's certainly not the case. And there have been some great high-profile global news stories where AI has delivered something or started to act, let's say, a little bit weird, um, and said some things that are just completely not right. And it's very easy for humans to detect that. On the other hand, when it gets it really right, and it is right, and it is accurate, and it is verified, it's getting harder and harder to tell the difference between whether that's machine created or human created, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the question I've got for you really is around, we've seen an awful lot of news headlines. We've seen some legal cases when it comes to things like copywriting, when it comes to how the data sets were pulled together and scraping all the data sets and scraping the internet for information. And then when you add things like, you know, away from chat GPT for a minute, but things like mid journey and you start linking the two up and you're creating imagery and art. Um, what does that mean? If you're using elements of other people's art elements of other people's words, what does that mean? And I know different parts of the world are starting to come down on that with very different understandings. Some are saying there's no issue, others are saying there is an issue. And then when it comes to the second part of my question is, when it comes to how you use AI at work, I am seeing a lot of maybe larger organizations at this moment in time, but I'm sure it will trickle down, starting to produce policies and procedures about how to use AI at work, because it has opened up opportunity but also a potential minefield when it comes to producing content so could you maybe give us your thoughts on those areas all right cool 
Yeah, uh, in terms of copyright, um, you know what I'm doing because I'm always curious about all these topics. So I'm doing like a um, service every single week, one survey in LinkedIn to see what people are thinking. So I've done one about uh, like uh, AI and art in general. So people are kind of, I even can, can remember what was the result like, but most people are at the moment skeptical about art produced by machines. And there's a lot of chat going on on copyright. So there's like, a okay, if I prompt something and I create an, an image in mid journey, who is the owner? Am I an owner as a prompter? Is the platform an owner because the platform created mid journey image? Or there's kind of uh, the owner, the, there's like a, some sort of copyright to the the parts that are used to create that image from another authors. So I think that's totally, at the moment, obviously it's unregulated because it's something new, but there'll be debates in future. And I, I don't have actual kind of uh, specific thinking on that, let's say. Um, if I try to kind of reflect to the music, because that's close to me, you can't copyright a note, you can't copyright probably a sequence of notes, because that can appear in a lot of pieces. And, you know, we know that a lot of cases about someone saying, oh, this is mine, or this is not mine. But in general, I'm like an advocate for a free will in general. So I, I if I need to decide, I'll say the copyright stays in the prompter because that's the art to create a prompt that creates something. Let's imagine you're playing guitar and you're recording. So guitar don't have any copyright as an instrument. So that's that's the, the tool, the mid journey. Who has the copyright? The one that like uh, ring the strings, the, the player. And uh, yeah, something like that. I think that will be regulated somehow in future for sure, but we are in very early stages because these things happen very, very slow. I think that's, that's the time probably there'll be some, let's say, dark times because there's no regulation at all. So everyone is doing whatever you think is good and whatever you think is ethical from your perspective and understanding of, uh, of ethics in general. And for the second question about uh, how to use AI at work, that's actually, I've done one, one survey today and then there's the question is, uh, do you have a, a policy of how to use AI at work? And then I think till now, probably a few thousand answers and then 80% of people said we, we don't have, which is, I think it's, it's a normal because that's something you, but, Generally speaking, I think there's like a two aspects of this of this topic. The one is that uh, obviously there should be some sort of policy because if there's there is no policy, that's anarchy. So everyone can do whatever they think. So that's not good from business point of view because that can create like a problems or something like that in future. So there should be a policy, whatever the policy is you are not allowed to use it or you are allowed to use it if you say you're allowed or if you encourage people to use it there should be some rules and also training for sure because people are extremely creative of how they're going to use tools so you need to show them not i'm not i won't say the right path but you need to show them examples of what they can do how they can do it and what they can achieve basically use it using these AI tools. So I'll say, yeah, there, there should be a policy for sure, especially from business point of view. But I think it's uh, it's up to leaders to basically give an example, the leaders in the companies to say, okay, this is the policy. That's why we implement this policy and, and do a training and give people examples of how they can, can use it. I think that's that's the right way to do it. I personally trying to, like I already done uh, a few training here in Tag Digital, 
and uh, working on the policy at the moment as well. So, um, you know, I want to um, embrace people to use it more, but again, think very critically about the output because that's that's where you can fail. You can, oh, I, I, I want to do that quickly, boom, 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 you do it. And then after that, it's end up, this is not true or this is not correct or something like that. So think about this as a tools, like every other tools we, we use on day-to-day -day basis. So it's a tool and every single tool has a, like a pros, cons, good good sides and, and bad sides. Yeah, I think you make some excellent points there and definitely some food for thought for people listening or people who, a lot of people, particularly in the, the, the content and the marketing side of, of the world or the digital side of life, which I suppose touches most businesses at this stage, if not all, um, they're all grappling with this. And I think, you know, somebody like yourself, who's been at the forefront of some of this development, uh, you're only working on your own policy now. Uh, there are some very large organizations that are starting to try and grapple with the, the, the topic of policies. Um, and it's a little bit like, I suppose, in the, the early days of social media, everybody was just doing what they want. But, you know, you, cer you certainly had to come up with whether it's a code of conduct or a policy or the best way to use it or how to represent your brand, etc. Those things become sort of critical as, as time goes on. And one of the challenges I think we find early on, don't we, Alex, is that the leadership sometimes have no idea about the tools or how they work. And it needs people with the expertise to help shine a light and guide them a little bit. Um, and I know a lot of your guides and your your you know the way that your own network has really blown up in terms of the groups and the advice that's shared there i mean there's tens and tens and tens of thousands of people sharing advice on this very subject and it's it's a wealth of information um the other thing that, that i just want to come on to is i i was listening to somebody recently and they were talking about journalists and i know people have different thoughts about journalists some are good and some are awful um but um they were saying that, you know, if you've got two people and one's one's person saying it's raining and the other one's saying the sun's shining, the journalist's job is to put their head out the window and see what the facts are and see what's accurate and see what's true. And it reminds me a little bit about where we're at with this whole AI landscape. You know, the machine is phenomenal, but you at the moment you kind of need the human pilot to just do that little bit of check, that little bit of um, whether it's ethics or, you know, just just does it send is it right is it factual is it true is it accurate is it how we want to be represented but i am my question that i'm getting to slowly here is do you see a, a point though where the machine to machine can just do this faster and better than the human can at the moment there's some errors in it at the moment there's definitely room for improvement but as we all become the testing guinea pigs and as this thing gets better and we've seen haven't we lots of times where um, chat GPT, for example, get, has gotten busy in the past. And now there's a paid model where you can access it all the time. But as this gets better and it learns and it continually learns and more data is employed and more outputs are produced, in theory, it becomes a little bit like the financial world where it's very hard for an individual stock trader to beat an automated machine system. Now, there are still flaws. There are still big problems caused with automation and fast-thinking machines. We've seen some pretty horrific examples of that, but they're normally one-offs. Uh, in the main, the machines do a better job. So what are your thoughts on that as we walk forward through this new adventurous world of AI? Well, it's it's very interesting, um, that question. I was thinking about this like a, a lot of time. I think that uh, whatever tools we are using in our business, in our day-to-day -day job, everything ends up with relation between people. That's, that's, how we, that's how we do business. That's how we do job. That's how we do whatever. So there is no way, I think there's no way a machine or whatever it is to replace human-to-human -human relations and then when it comes to these human-to-human -human relations, then it's human. You know, it's not possible to be done by machines. Like imagine the the, the example you gave with the with the journalism. So with the journalist, so we, we say, okay, we're going to start produce all the blogs 
for all the content for our media using AI. Great, and we're going to hire editors to just edit this great, but who is going to read that? That's the, the, the main question. Because if you create, if your whole content is created totally from the machines, my expectation is that machines are going to read that, not people. Because people are, why people are reading some media or another media or some books or another books, because they want to hear the, the opinion of this specific media, the opinion of this specific person, the, which comes from uh, their experience. And that's where like a human to human connection is um, something that we can avoid. That's what I think in general, probably there'll be a lot of jobs that are going to disappear or AI will be part of our day-to-day -day life to some extent. It's even now, but we we just don't see it as it as it's it now because ChatGPT just made made a revolution because the people get access to to like a very easy to use model uh, with a simple interface, and it was very democratized, like with with a uh, with ChatGPT. And before that, these models exist. Just they were not so widely available and or easy to use but going back to the question yeah i think uh human to human relationships will always be the the, the main thing whatever is in job whatever is in business and that that's where we need humans yeah thanks for that um and i want to come back to something you said earlier as well when we were talking about prompts and we were you were sort of touching on copywriting and who's wrote the prompt, et cetera. And these prompts that are written, if you'd have said to me 12 months ago, there'll be a job where the job is you're a, you're an AI prompt writer, I'd have said, what what are you talking about? Um, but I suppose if you look forward five, 10 years, the jobs that will be in place, we have no idea what they are today. Um, and yet when it comes to people that are experienced, nuanced learn and know how to work with the artificial intelligence the machines the databases and to provide that context and to be able to prompt and guide and almost mold um the output that is becoming a skill and a, and a role in itself isn't it mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think i think even now there's like a there's some people working as a prompt engineers which means that uh, you know that's that's their job. They they do kind of prompting for specific tasks, or they advise businesses to how to basically create their prompts for based on the specific uh, needs. And uh, you know, I was thinking like a few weeks ago. I can remember even when, like, uh, what actually is engineering is engineering is doing engineer is doing so basically it's kind of it's sort at least in my imagination it's kind of new language and it's a mix between english and actual coding so if you want to 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 get the get the best prompt it's kind of you mix these two skills of like a the way you structure you know can you imagine how you structure a code like you have a variables and you have uh, values for these variables. So that's how you can basically structure your prompts in, in a, almost the same syntax, but using a natural language, uh, English in our case. So yeah, I think that would be, that would be very important skill. And I think it's, it just start forming because it's something new. So there's no people are like, I was really interested in kind of, it was funny for me, like, uh, you know, in early January, there start appearing books like uh, guides for prompting or like, uh, you know, things like that. And I say, oh, when you've done this, how, where it comes from? I mean, you'll be prompting for a month or two months and then all of a the sudden there is a 200 pages book. And I don't buy that because I don't think that's a, a real knowledge and I think we need some time to basically first get the, the first wave of excitement, then slow down a little bit, then learn from all that stuff. And after that, we can start with books and 
like a very comprehensive guide because that's it looks for me just made made just for for make money you know what i mean but i don't see like like a great value in something like a having a, a great book of prompts when you do that for a month because obviously there is no experience yeah and I, and i think it's changing uh i think it, it's changing it's been tweaked it's been added to and people are finding out more and more on a daily basis so uh what i've seen over the the last number of months in particular is you know almost a change or an education of a community where people are learning from each other and the outputs are getting very very sophisticated and then when you take the basics of prompts well not the basics but when you take the the, the skill of prompts and then you start getting the outputs to then interact with some other tool whether that's another ai tool or some other type of uh, output the results are, are starting to become extraordinary in one way or another um, and have you seen that alex do you see that in terms of you know this is almost just the front end piece and then what people are doing with it on the back end we talked about mid journey for example where people are connecting the two but there's lots of other ai tools out there that we're starting to see really grow mm -hmm. yeah i think i read somewhere that in the last two months there is more than a more than a thousand completely new AI tools that use different, like uh, whatever is natural language processing or something else. So there'll be, I again, trying to do some sort of analogy of what's what's happening. It likes for me, it looks like a, um, like a dot-com boom in the, in the beginning of the century. It looks something like that, you know, like there'll be probably thousands of these tools in next six months, I think. And then obviously there'll be some good one, there'll be some bad one. The early starters probably will be one of the winners. Um, and there'll be probably change in the, the whole technological uh like a landscape as we know it. But that, that's something normal, like we are moving to Web 3.0 and things like that. So there'll be change in the in the players. Yeah, and we've seen the big players making some pretty big moves and investments and releasing things which have been in the main successful with a few notable exceptions. But, you know, people like Google or Microsoft, of course, and then you've got OpenAI. Um, and, and yet there are quite, there are, seems to be a new AI tool popping up sort of every week at this stage, if not every day. So it, it is definitely a growing area. And coming back to the... Um, again writing the prompts but it seems to be that thinking in almost thinking almost as a coder yet writing it in an expressive way that helps nudge the the uh the ai uh, the data to actually put out what you need is becoming a little bit like uh, you know somebody that was experienced in seo or somebody's experienced in event management or it, it is a learned skill where people are having to get better and grasp with this pretty quickly because there's going to be degrees of success, isn't there, where if you get somebody that knows a little bit about it, they're only going to get a certain amount of results. But I do be, I am a little bit concerned that the more money you have or the more resources that you can throw at this, potentially the more valuable it becomes or the better you can get. And we've seen that a little bit where you can now pay to access these systems and i understand they cost hundreds and hundreds of millions to keep these things up and working in terms of the architecture and the infrastructure and the compute power which has another knock-on effect to energy um when it comes to um your own use of ai when it comes to your own use of these tools and guides and prompts what are some of the things that have impressed you because obviously you're past the beginner stage right i mean you're you're really in the depth of this community discussion about where this is going and how to get the best out of it. But what are some of the things that you've looked at and gone, wow, this is this is incredible? Yeah, I, I'll give you a few examples. So I, every single day I get like a, something new or are getting impressed because I say, okay, I have a problem and I know like how I'm going to solve that problem. But most of the time now I say, okay, let's see what I can do with chat GPT just for the sake of the experiment. And sometimes I'm just really fascinated of what I can do. I'll give you an example of something I've done probably two weeks ago. And 
So basically I was doing something, I'm not going to go into details, but I have some like a database with uh, some records and I need to do some calculations and kind of some sort of, uh, like, a, like I said, that uh, uh, Excel uh, gymnastic to get some data somehow to clean it, to get some data and do some calculation, which involves a lot of formulas to be written. And I know I can write these formulas, but sometimes you need to come back. They're very complicated. You need to, like, probably sometimes you can spend an hours to get the right formula. So there's back and forth, there's errors, et cetera, et cetera. I say, okay, I'll try to do that with ChatGPT. And I just start explaining my case and I get the formula, I put it, it's working. And then the next formula, the next formula, I say, today I saved probably three or six hours of trying to figure out this formula just with be able to do the right prompting and to get the results. So things like that really excites me because you say, oh, that's great. Or sometimes you even have some uh, people soft skill problem and you say, you just like put the scenario and say, give not exactly ask for advice, but you know, you can put what, what's, what's your problem with a specific person or something and then advice and then you read something and if you think it's logical, fine, you can use it. it, it even if it, it doesn't really matter it, if it's true or not, because that's something that is very relative. So there is no true right or wrong. Right or wrong is like a, who is the third US president. So there's right or wrong answer, but for things like that, there's no right or wrong answer. So basically, yeah, you can use it to, to get advice and see, is that resonate with me? Yes, cool, use it, no. Been it. Yeah, and it's back to that human instinct, isn't it? Is it right? Is it good for me? Can I use it? And uh, you're right. It's not like saying, you know, name the presidents or name all the states. It's it's there's a right or a wrong answer to that at any moment in time. But um, when it comes to things like code, I've seen some fascinating outputs where you've asked you've asked AI to build something for you to give you the code to just show you know just you know imagine your you're almost sandboxing it within AI. You're saying, mm -hmm. I want this to be in this type of output. And it's as though some coder is sitting there magically writing the code in front of you in a sandbox. And you can literally just lift it out, run it. And if it runs and it works, it's fine. Uh, and so far, I haven't seen any stories of malicious coding or anything going wrong with that. And like you're saying, working out formulas and you you run the formula and it works and it's it's accurate it's saving you a lot of time um yeah and imagine you're good in so that's that's interesting topic i never thought about that so most of the coders they're not good in communicating like a like a people you know what i mean they're not good in expressing themselves and vice versa so there'll be some sort of new kind of uh kind of people that are good in coding but they're also good in expressing themselves so we, if you can mix this one you can be very powerful because you can prompt something give you the bones put it see is it working yes is it not working if you're good color you can fix it you know or you can reprompt it but kind of you mix these two skills like a being good in communication in language and also be good and coding and math so combining these two will be probably will be very, very good and extremely powerful skills to have. Yeah, it's almost as though we're leveling up in terms of speed and intelligence. Um, mm -hmm. And as long as a little bit of a sanity check or an accuracy check, maybe yeah. um, it seems to be significantly helping. Um, so look, when it comes to staying abreast of what's happening, and it's always difficult when you're grasping with new technology, but what are the kind of things that you're reading? What are you keeping abreast of? Are you downloading white papers? Are you scouring chat boards? Are you working through your own community that you've built online? Uh, what, are you, what are you reading? Is it books? Is it audio books? Is it, you know, watching videos? How does that learning process work for you? So the learning process for me, I have kind of different approaches. Let's say I basically prefer reading books uh, and uh, it's kind of mixed between having a book on my Kindle or having it as an actual book. Uh, there's pros and cons, I like them both, but 
if there is a book that I want to refer more and more, I prefer to have it on paper because when I read it, I like make some notes on the book and then I can open and very easily find these notes and like refer back to them. Uh, and also I, I like to watch like a long form video, but I, but I basically, yeah, I watch them, but most listening to them. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my preferred style reading because it, also with reading you can always like a stop, think a little bit, rethink something, make notes. It's like a slower than listening audiobook, but for me it's working better because I can dedicate time to like uh, get the concepts better or get this concept and start building something on that. Even sometimes I'm reading, I stop close the book and then open my notebook and start making my notes. So I get this concept and start creating something new, which probably is it's harder to do if you're listening just podcast or something like that. So that that's what I prefer. Yeah. yeah and, it's, it, it's, it's interesting because yeah. I was just going to say, I've spoke to many authors and publishers. And one of the things that, that struck me is that, you know, the, the, it's a very basic observation, but when you're reading a book, the book has your full attention. It's only when you close the cover that your attention stops. It is a very different learning activity than listening or watching something mm -hmm. because you can't really be doing anything else while reading a physical yeah. book. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something there. Yeah, no, no, that, that's, that's, that's very true. Yeah. You're, you're full, fully immersed into that. Uh, while if you're kind of uh, listening podcast, you can drive, but you cannot read book and drive at the same time. Or you can listen podcast or watching video and uh, you know do social network at the same time, something like that. But when you read book, yeah, you're fully, fully merged into that. That that's how I prefer basically listening to music. When, when I, I prefer like uh, I want to listen something new and I just listen do nothing else, so I can emerge into the the medium. Let's say. <laughs> And are the algorithms helping you decide what to listen to next, or are you self-curating it? Well, I, I use them both, so I have like a favorite things that I always come back to, but also I'm really interested to see, oh, let's see what Spotify is going to uh, like recommend me uh, this week. And then actually that's the way I find, I found a lot of new kind of artists or bands or you know, even styles that I probably never going to have a chance to, to, to listen at all. So that, that's really helpful. But that's what I do when I when I listen to the recommended for this week. And I if I pick something I really like, I go and dive deep into that artist. I prefer basically listening albums. So I go and listen one to three albums. Say, OK, I like that. Really? Is there any geek nearby? <laughs> Is the next one? Yeah, that's good. And it's it's interesting how the algorithm there is working because the more data you feed it, the more it sort of knows your style, your like, your taste. And yeah. it gets, it seems to be getting better over time. And I know Spotify in particular had a pretty good algorithm to start with, and it seems to be getting better. Sometimes it recommends stuff that you just go, no, that's not me. Uh, but nine times out of 10, it seems to be getting it pretty good anyway, at least from a, a rough mm -hmm. straw poll of people I speak to. Um, yeah, you know, there's something I was thinking in the past and I still on, on the same page is that, you know, these this recommendation algorithms, they're very good in terms of figuring out what we like, what we don't like and feed us with the right thing. But actually what we are missing is the like uh, the opportunity to explore. I think that's that's one of the problems we've, we see in the future because algorithm getting better and better, but then basically they 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 put ourselves on a specific path and we almost don't have a choice to say, oh, let's go somewhere else to see something completely different. So that's kind of, uh, we're, we, we probably start missing a little bit of this, uh, like a, a taste of journey of exploration, a taste of something completely new and unknown. Uh, but yeah, it's as I said, it's a it's a personal choice. So you can do both of these. So one day you say, I'm just going to go random, go into heavy metal from Vietnam and listen ten albums, you know, and then you can find something, or you can say that's not for me. Sorry. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think therein lies the irony, right? I mean, the, the recommendation engine will help you discover things that you would have never discovered, but you also then lose out on the the other discovery process. So, yeah. 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 But you can yeah. have both. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But you can think like uh, um, these platforms like, like Spotify, they can they can introduce some feature like that, like uh, something ex random like a random thing coming on, like just taste it. I think Google had something like that in, in the past. I'm lucky today or something like, if you remember that, you click and then you go somewhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, the other things I want to ask you before we run out of time, Alex, is um, people that you admire. Now, that could be somebody from your childhood, could be somebody in your your community where you're talking about AI, but is there anybody that inspires you that you admire or is there a particular, you know, personality type or character trait that you like well if if i need to go on like a specific person i'll say probably my granddad is that person that always like being a, a role model for me from my childhood and if i want to think about in general i basically always can been very kind of uh, uh interested in and admired by people who are on that uh, intellectual and spiritual level that they can basically um, can decide, can dedicate their own life to helping others. So these people are like, a, I really like them. If, if, you, if you can go into that level, spiritual, intellectual and say i don't want to think about myself i want to dedicate all my life to helping other creatures whatever they are people or animals or trees or whatever so that's that's people that really inspires me very human qualities there alex and uh, yeah. it's interesting isn't it when you mention your grandfather your granddad um and it, it there's often um people often you know hop back to their grandparents because there seems to be something quite magical where you miss out the immediate mother and father and the grandfather grandmother bond particularly with a, ch a grandchild can be very very strong and very very uh influential and um it's um it's very it's a very human thing isn't it that sort of mm -hmm. bond between grandparent and grandchild you know yeah um, uh, and i do hear that a lot you know the people do find that uh, they've learned a lot from their grandparents because I suppose you're bringing in another generation of knowledge and learning as well, which is different from your immediate parents too, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's one of the things. And also probably a lot of people spend like a lot of time with at, at the childhood and early childhood because, you know, you form yourselves, your ideas up to probably seven. So whatever happened, it's up to seven to form your as a person. So whoever you spend the most of the time, they, this person will be most influential of what are you going to be in the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to ask you as well is about advice. Now you, you've spent an awful lot of time uh, giving advice and helping people find the right advice in this wonderful world of AI. But when it comes to life advice or advice that you've taken to heart, is there any advice that you've, you really believe in that has stuck to you that you think this is such an important thing i wish i'd have known this earlier or is there certain advice that you like to share with others well yeah i'll say both <laughs> so um something that i really believe somehow is to basically trying to find the answers in mother nature so everything natural that's really helped me to to make decisions sometimes it's something exists in nature it's it's something that goes through the the process of natural selection so that's that's kind of true let's say so that's one of the advices i'm always looking into the nature then when i need to decide on something i say okay is this existing in nature yes no if no what's probably that's not not a good thing generally speaking and then the other i'll say like advice it's kind of when you communicate with people always try to put yourselves in in their shoes try to think what they may feel or think at the moment because you know we are very 
like a siloed in our thinking of when we co come to one-to-one -one communication, but we, we need to think, okay, when I'm talking now, how the other person is feeling, what they may think. So try to put yourself in that position, then that will help you really to, to, to manage better conversation and have a better relationships in general. That's great advice. Thank you, Alex. And as you look forward, over the next six, nine, 12 months, what's on your roadmap? What's on your horizon? What are the things that are you're hoping to achieve? What's keeping you up at night? What it, you know, is, is it more and more of the growing communities or what, what does the future look like for you over the next six to 12 months? Well, that's interesting. Interesting question. Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I mean, I have some, some project I'm working on like a personal and also uh, work related we we start building some some new products some new kind of um, um, yeah some new products so I hope we 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 can achieve this in next six nine nine months to to finish this project and see how they look like as a finished project so that's one of the thing and then the other thing is like I'm really interested in what's going to happen with uh, in a AI slash. Uh, um, all that stuff, machine learning domain. So there'll be there'll be a boom, obviously, uh, in this technology. So I want to be as close as possible because you know I think it's kind of a good thing to know at the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think you're you're definitely perfectly placed to be at the forefront of that, Alex. And that's it, great. It, it requests a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It certainly does. I agree. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about before we wrap up is, is there any other subject or topic or area that you'd like to just maybe share with our audience before we wrap up? And also, if people want to find out more about your online communities, find out more about the information that you're sharing when it comes to AI, chat, GPT, et cetera, where's the best place to send people to? Yeah, so online, you can find me on LinkedIn, Alex Velinov. So that's my profile and then um, um, the community is called OpenAI ChatGPT for marketing because my speciality is basically marketing and most of the things I'm talking about are marketing related. But yeah, that's, that's the community. You can join there on LinkedIn. And um, of course, uh, you know, if you if you need anything related to event marketing, you can visit our website, tagdigital.co.uk and get in touch with our growth team. I, I think we, we have an amazing team of like doing um, um, paid media campaigns for 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 events. And we we specialized in that in last, let's say, seven, eight, ten years, probably. And uh, we know we know how to do that in the best way let's say well that's great and that's a great note to end on so thank you very much indeed alex thanks for being a guest on today's the global discussion thanks to everybody who's been watching or listening to this episode around the world make sure that you like follow subscribe please do all the things we need you to do to help support the podcast and i hope you'll meet me back here for more discussions with creatives leaders and thinkers thank you alex it's been great to catch up with you today thanks for having me